really a good question to ask um, when you are faced with your own Christianity and your own um, following of, of Jesus, especially, especially when it pertains to how, how am I living? Am I living out the call of Christ in my life? Am I living out the, the teachings and the life and the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus in my own life? A really good question to ask is, well, why am I doing this in the first place? Right? I, I would guess that our motive would be a good indicator as to um, whether or not we're living out the life that Jesus has called us to. Now, if your motive is, maybe like mine, which was for a long time and is still waffles in whenever it's a bad motive, this is the one it is, this is just what I've always done. This sort of life is the life I've always lived. I always woke up on Sunday morning and went to church, whether I wanted to or not. I mean, the question we'd always ask our parents is, um, do we have to go to church tomorrow? We, basically, what that meant was not, oh, do we have to, but is tomorrow one of those days where we have to go to church? And they, my parents would always say, we don't have to go to church. This is my, my, an impression of my dad. We don't have to go to church. We want to go to church. Okay. <laughs> Do we want to go to church tomorrow? Just a yes or no, really, is what we're needing here. Um, but, you know, and, and wanting to go or having to go to church was just what we, I mean, we just did. We just went to church, and we would, we would sit there as kids and have our fruits, fruit of the vine snacks, and we would um, have a, um, we, we would just, and just be waiting for the thing to be over. I remember I used to, this is a little confession, don't judge me too much, you can judge me if you want to, um, closing prayer, I would my right foot would go that way so that I would be more prepared to leave the pew because you had to get out and you had to go play football with the guys afterward if the weather permitted and even if it didn't. Um, and church wasn't about anything except being there. Um, the thing that was stressed was attendance. Attend. And there you go. You've done it. You've done the thing that God has asked you to do for the week. And you're supposed to go to church. And our lament of other, others, now looking back and saying lament's probably too kind, our judgment of others was not that, oh, they're not following Jesus. Our judgment was, well, I don't think they go to church. And sometimes the question of why, when, when just faced head on, is, is, is difficult for us. Because, I don't know. If you walked up to a first century follower of Jesus, after Jesus had died, resurrected, ascended to the throne, and you said, why are you doing this? They were doing things much harder than just going. 
you know, going to church. Why? They'd have a quick and easy response. And it would be uncomplicated and consistent. Because the man I saw die didn't stay dead. Because the man I watched die on a cross got up from the grave and I saw him, I touched his hands, I saw his scars, he was alive and there is no disputing it in my mind. He was alive. Jesus is alive. That's why we come. That's why we come together and we worship. Now, you might not be making the connection, Jesus is alive, church, right? It might not connect easy with you, but we're going to try to make that journey today. Um, Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Um, I I believe this is going to be NIV. I may be wrong. If you want a different version, open up your phone to whatever. Whoa! That's not what that's supposed to look like. While they were talking... Why is it so small? That's the size of your phone right there. Um, Okay. Well, that's... I don't know why I'm blushing about the font size, but... While they were still talking about this, just trust me, this is what it says. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them... Peace be with you. The word here he probably used was a very common Hebrew word. Called, they just said shalom. It's how they greeted each other. It's like, it's like poofing into the room and saying, hey, shalom, peace. They were startled and frightened thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your mind? Now, we, we are so hard, and we've mentioned this before, we're so hard on the disciples because, well, they, they were unbelieving. They unbelieved. They were doubters. He, he was dead and then wasn't dead anymore. And then just into the room, and there he is, and he's like, hey, the good, good. You would be startled too. You would unbelieve too. It's a shocking thing. They think they're seeing a ghost. And he says, no, why, do you, why, do you, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. He shows them the, his hands. It is I myself. It is, well, this is a, I myself is a clunky translation. He's really, he's saying, it's really me. It's actually me. Look at my hands and my feet. It's actually me. Touch me and see a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. And this is one of my favorite things. When he showed, he had, when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. 
He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead and on the third day on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins uh, will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Okay, so let's kind of back up. The, remember last week he was talking to some guys on the road to Emmaus and they, he explained everything to them, kind of made himself known once they were breaking bread and then he disappeared. These guys get up, run back to the disciples at Jerusalem, uh, are meeting with them and, he, and again, Jesus just appears. Now, if just a normal human just poofed into a place then we would all be a little taken aback anyway. Um, but Jesus, a guy who had died and they thought was still dead, comes shows up. It is a, it is, you are afraid. And Jesus says, no, 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 touch me, touch me. Here, I'm just alive. I'm not scary. I'm not anything that is foreign or unknown. I'm not a ghost. I'm just, I'm just alive. I'm not dead still. And he tells them, this is, this is what had to happen. He sits down and he says, hey, y'all got anything to eat? I haven't eaten since I died earlier. <laughs> and so he, they broil him some fish, and probably blacken it, I don't know. But they, they... He's eating fish and talking with them and they're having this conversation and he opens up their minds and says, listen, this is what was written, is that the Messiah would have to die and on the third day he'd be raised and, and they would bring repentance and forgiveness to the world. The world would get repentance and forgiveness because of this Savior. Because of the resurrection. It's because Jesus is alive that we find repentance, that we find forgiveness. It's because he is alive that we find those things, and it's because we find those things that we can even think about something as absurd as church. Because it is only in the confines and in the context of a repentance and forgiveness community that we can operate something as crazy as church. Like, we're used to church. We're used to it. But try for a second to get unused to it and see it from an outside perspective. If you've never seen church before, and someone said, here's... Here's what we do. We get together. Oh, what do y'all do when y'all get together? Well, we mostly sing together. What? We mostly sing together. So someone performs. No, no, no. We just all sing together. Okay, do y'all eat? Yeah, but it's just really tiny. Tiny, small amounts of stuff. Really, the, the holiest among us can just get 
bread dust on our fingers and suck it off. <laughs> what, what do you, then you, you, someone talks for probably about five minutes too long. And then we say, we sing some more and we say a prayer and we go home. Why? I would argue the reason we meet like this is repentance and forgiveness. It's because in a community that is run by Jesus, we can be so different. You can can have different um, ideas and different perspectives and different upbringings and different... um, we can have different pay scales and different uh, tastes in food. We can vote for different people. And, and all the while, what holds us together is what the resurrected Savior told, what resurrected Jesus told his disciples the resurrection brought. What holds us together is repentance and forgiveness. A good marriage is based on repentance and forgiveness. A bad marriage is based on forgiveness and repentance. It just turns the wrong way. A bad marriage is one in which the, the, the party involved or the, the one who, like the, say the husband, is very interested in the wife's repentance and very interested in his own forgiveness. And vice versa. The, the, in turn, the, the, the wife will be... Com- uh, which all wives and mothers are all perfect. Great. All right, so got to give that disclaimer. Mother's Day is coming up. Can't say a negative thing in the world. What? Did I say all that out loud just now? That's awkward for everyone. Um, but the wife can say, my husband needs to change, and he needs to forgive me. What really gets us in trouble is when we're not all that aware of any forgiveness that we need. See, church can become a problem even when we start focusing on the wrong things that Jesus has blessed us with. When we are blessed with repentance and forgiveness, it means that I get to repent and I get to forgive. That's what community is. A group of people who are really good at repenting. And a group of people who are really good at forgiving. Because Jesus, the resurrected Savior, says we get to repent and forgive freely. Because he is out of the tomb. I get to give up my old horrible practices. You know, sometimes I I distance myself a little bit from... uh, the way I, I grew up. I grew up very... Uh, um, conservative's the wrong word. Um, sectarian's the right word. And I, I don't want that to fly over um, Braden's head. So uh, I will... What I mean is I grew up thinking I was, we were it. And a lot of times I'll say, I grew up in a place... I, even, I wrote this week, um, I grew up in a place where we thought we had it all together. Or they thought they had it all together. They thought they were the only ones, but I was they. Part of actually 
finding Jesus was repenting of thinking I had it all together and finding forgiveness. Part of coming into a relationship with God through Jesus in His Spirit is understanding that I I don't have it all right And other people, and this is a a very important, healthy next step, other people don't have it all wrong. And when community can really exist is when we are all very different from one another, but within that, we have repentance. I'm going to keep working on me. And forgiveness. I'm going to love you no matter what's wrong with you. The church has become very good at times at at proclaiming forgiveness for itself and repentance for the world. The world out there needs to repent and come to this place where we are forgiven. If we want to a healthy community, which I, I think we have, and I think one of the reasons we have a healthy community is a lot of you are very good at forgiving people. And a lot of you are very aware of your own repentance. We need to keep that up. Because that's the message of the resurrected Savior. What Jesus, When Jesus comes out of the tomb and brings forgiveness and repentance... To the world, he's uniting the world under his kingship. It's a kingship in which I don't, I don't beat you up because you've sinned. Especially, um, I don't beat you up because you've sinned different from me. Like, I get we all sin, but some people sin in ways I don't sin, and I don't like that. When we're calling the world to repentance and only celebrating our forgiveness, we, that's, that's what can divide a church. That's what can hurt the family of God. And that's what can seal up our doors and make us hard to come into, hard to join. I think, now next week, next week is Easter. We are going to have a big crowd on Easter. I think. Um, just, you just always assume a big crowd. Maybe all of you are going to go to your parents' house for Easter and we're, it's just going to be me and Rachel and the girls. But it's, typically, we have a very large crowd for Easter. And I, I remember there was always just such disdain for the people who just showed up on Easter. When I, when I was growing up, from, from me, like, barely Christians. People would say, do you think they're going to hell? No, well, it's not for me to say, but they're barely. If they're getting into heaven, it's barely. It's like Indiana Jones sliding under the door, you know. We're just, they're going to barely make it in. That's such an element of judgmentalism and like I will take forgiveness, God, but man, you better work on the repentance of these other people. I once once heard a sermon uh, about, it was on Sunday night, 
it was about um, people who didn't come to church on Sunday night. Like the real problems in the world. And there was, there was a... Um, he, he got into the area where he said, um, yeah, they're all back row Christians anyway, which was like such a slang term for like a horrible, sorry, all of, yeah, I know. We've got, we've got a back row and then a real back row. Um, but he, was, he said, I, you know, if, if I had my way, I'd just take that back row out. And even at like 12, 13, I thought, wouldn't the next row then be the back row? Like, I don't understand. Now, the, what he's getting at is everybody is, the people who aren't as committed as me are wrong. There are people who, once they find Jesus, give up their riches and go serve the poor in Africa. I'm just saying, if you're grading on a curve, you're not at the top of it. Preachers in, in middle-class America aren't at the top of it. I, I, a, a friend of mine died um, last week. Uh, he is a minister in Belize. You have not heard his name. Pepperdine has not asked him to come speak. He is not a lecturer on any circuit. But when he died suddenly of a stroke last week, at his funeral, there were 630 people there. Is that the number I told you? 630 people. Because he ministered to people who were broken, who did not have shoes. You feel good because you buy a pair of Toms. He walked them across the river to them. I'm not saying you're a bad Christian. I'm just saying when you get to the point where you start looking around and all you're noticing is Christians worse than, worse than you, you have blinders on that can send you away from Jesus. That you are, op are operating under a system that only forgives yourself. Only forgives you. And demands the world to repent. See, when Jesus resurrected and he comes to these guys and he says, he says, this all had to happen so repentance and forgiveness can be preached. Repentance for forgiveness can be preached. Just that statement alone is building church. What if you knew nothing about church? And you just found Jesus and you said, I... Man, we are operating for repentance and forgiveness. That's how we're going to live from now on out. I'm gonna I've got the forgiveness of God. I'm going to give that to others. And he is going to slowly help me repent. For, and he's turning me from my life, my old life, for the rest of my life. Now, because you have, you're operating under repentance and forgiveness, you're going to be kind to other people. You are going to naturally build community. And because you build community, you're going to have connections with these people and you're going to tell them what you found out about Jesus. And you're going to say, the, oh, the best way to live, the best way to work, the best way to be a husband, a wife, a child, a father, a mother, the best way to be a student 
is under this realm of forgiveness and repentance in which we are forgiven the world. We're forgiven by God. And we're repenting from our old life. We are working on us. You're going to build a community and people are going to start getting together over this one idea. And who knows, you might write some songs. Repentance and forgiveness builds church. It's founded on the idea. It, it can't operate without it. When churches turn in on themselves, it's when they get the whole process mixed up. And it's, they forget. But the, the empty tomb proclaims the for, repentance and forgiveness of the world. The resurrected Savior proclaims the repentance and forgiveness of the world. I know people who don't go to church because they, don't have, they can't find a church that's right enough for them. So they've just stopped going. They don't live around here. They live in Texas. And those people are crazy. <laughs> That's true and then also not true. But <laughs> we, have been, we have been blessed by a resurrected Savior to just give us all that we need in, in because he lives, I too will live. And so anytime we, get, we turn our focus away from the fact that he's alive and start trying to tell the world that they need to look like us, the resurrected Jesus just disappears. And when the resurrected Savior disappears, your church will crumble. I've said this before. I can I could probably walk out onto the just the street here and just pick a house and every day go to that house and in like a month's time I might can convert them try to convince them to get baptized. I bet I could convince them to get baptized and I bet and I've never taken this challenge, but I bet I can do it without once mentioning an empty tomb. I bet I can. But you get talking about sins and how awful sin is and how where sin will send you and then there's there is um there there's this process that that you can you can go through and it forgives your sins and you won't go to that bad place you'll go to this good place that's pretty good it's like an eternal church service it's sort of fun so you have this um you have this process and i and i'm not gonna think, well i don't want to go to that place and i say well you're going to that place unless you want to go to this place and they'll say well i want to go to that place well here's what you got to do Boom, got him. I feel like we can sell the goods of um, a ticket into heaven without once mentioning the resurrected Savior. And heaven help us if we do. Church is built on shaky ground. It preaches my forgiveness in the world's repentance. But a church that is built on our forgiveness being shared with the world, let them see it in us continually working on us. That church is built on an empty tomb. An empty tomb that has power to redeem 
a broken and evil world. And I think that's good church. You may have lived a life that is unrepentant. You just are who you are and you catch yourself saying things, well, I ain't going to change. Well, first, stop saying ain't. But more importantly, there's a better way to live. There's a better king to follow than your own silly self. So maybe you've never repented, and that's something you need to do, and it's a process you need to start today. But maybe you feel like you repented and you were done a long time ago, and now it's your job to start pointing the fingers at others. In preaching school, um, they call it the hand of condemnation. I guess in preaching classes, I don't think I really went to preaching school. They... That way, you know, because if you point at people, there's three fingers pointing back at you, but if you, if you know, preachers throw this out, it's a five-barrel gun. Hand of condemnation. Watch. Next time, you know, you go to another church, that's going to happen. I might do it some of these days. But if I do, you deserve it. Maybe you've become that. Maybe your go-to mechanism is the hand of condemnation of the world. The man, the people aren't the same as when I grew up. Yeah, civil rights have improved quite greatly, actually. People are, the world's getting worse and bam, bam. The world needs to repent. go down that road far enough, you're just going to be alone. Because your church isn't going to live up to your standards. Your family's not going to live up to your standards. Your kids aren't going to live up to your standards. And you're just going to be alone. But you go down the road of repentance and forgiveness long enough, you're going to end at church. You're going to end at a gathering of people getting together to celebrate an idea that's bigger than ourselves. And salvation that we could not earn and we don't deserve. A forgiveness that we cannot earn and we don't deserve. And to be honest, the way it works out with the Holy Spirit, a repentance that we could not earn and we don't deserve. That's Christianity, and I think that's why we should follow Jesus. Because His way is the only way that actually leads to community. His way is the only way that leads to unity. So that we can commune together. If you need to repent, if you need to forgive, if you need forgiveness, Come repent. But do so today. Do so today. Do so while we stand together.